Hello, hello, Jasmine. This hello, is Sira. This is Jasmine Sterling and Sarah Powell talking today for the New Human Podcast about truth. Um, I was out in the woods yesterday, and I was thinking a lot about what really is truth when we all have our different perspectives and our different viewpoints. So I'm just going to write, read. A couple of paragraphs of what I was thinking and what I was writing about. And we're going to have a discussion about the resonance of our truth, which is not necessarily what the mind thinks the truth is. So, creating a better world begins with living your best life ever. This means living a life completely emerged in the truth of existence. Truth at any cost. What does that mean? Especially now with censorship going up across all of the platforms. What does truth at any cost mean? Is it even about censorship or is it something much deeper? We all have our own processes of trying to get to the truth and more importantly, living the truth. I understand this relentless seeking as I have spent my lifetime questioning everything I've ever been told from others, opinions and perspectives, my own personal truth, seeking that amidst all the things I've been told, and I can test that I have no idea if this is because I'm empath or not, but truth has always been beyond words. I have to understand, anytime someone's telling me something, does it feel right? And I mean that in a way that goes so many times deeper than momentary pleasures and distractions, which always feel good to us, though there's nothing wrong with those things. But really going beyond those momentary experiences and knowing that they're just simple distractions. But underneath that, what is the truth? Is that a real truth or is it something you believe because someone told you a long time ago? Truth resides in a frequency and it's our job to learn how to discern truths based upon our emotional biases or truths that are absolute. So I think there's a lot to dive into about how we feel truth, how we navigate truth and, um, you know, oh yeah, there's certainly a lot in there. It's um, it's really it's really interesting because you and I were in that spiritual community together, and what as my uh, wow, as I was my soul was being stretched. I, I think that's just the best way that it it just feels right to say it that way. I was learning so much and absorbing so much because it was all so new. Then I got a chance to practice my discernment, practice what felt right and what didn't feel right, even though I was being told certain things to be in truth or, and some of them were actually just blatant lies. And I had to reconcile this thing between honesty and truth. And, you know, that, I think a lot of people go through that. Um, when you are faced with Okay, so it's like this. We enter, we come here, and I was, I was talking to you about this before we started recording. Come here because I, I do feel, and listening to near-death experiencers, that when we are on the other side or we're, when we're in higher dimensions, we don't have that contrast and comparison to, to learn from. We can instantaneously manifest and we get a chance to just be pure creative essence, right? And... That, that's amazing. But to, to grow the soul, to, to actually be confronted with life situations is, I think, at the very core, 
what we're doing here so that we can learn that discernment. What is truth and what is the absolute truth? What is truth for you? What kind of truth are you going to share? Where's your voice? Um, and then those things can change. So that's what I came to. I realized. Oh, wait, wait, let's go back. Stop right there. Those things can change. Can they though? If we're living beneath the emotions into our pure core resonance with the truth of existence, can absolute truth change? I mean, that's like an existential question, I guess, because we look at everything in our world from the things that we have been told and we either accept them or reject them from the first moment we're born. Well, that's it. It's somebody else's absolute truth. Yeah. Everything since the second we're born, when we're a clean slate, we come in here. Or in the womb, it's, actually. <laughs> I've seen some things that have affected yeah, me. Yeah, in the womb, absolutely, you're starting to be programmed in the womb for sure. So it's like everything that is put on us from the second that we're in the womb is all from somebody else until we claim, wait, hold on, whoa. You know, you have to say no at some point to somebody else's viewpoint. And right. we don't know that until we know it. And by the time you're actually exploring, wait, this truth doesn't feel right to me. You're already being confronted by many people who say, yes, it is. This is the truth. This is your reality. This is the absolute truth until you question that. Well, I think that started super early on for me because my family kept telling me that everything I was experiencing wasn't real and it was my reality. So exactly. I questioned their reality. I questioned children. their reality. Right. So I think that's why I've been asking these questions on, an, on another front through the creative process, through artistic pursuits, through the study of science and my biochemistry degree to get to the answers of all of it. But ultimately, all of that fails, ultimately, because you have to go deeper into, you know, we talk about our gut feelings, we talk about feeling beyond our senses, we talk about those other ways that we know something to be true. And, um, I think we should dive into that at some point because that's definitely some of the aspects as we expand our humanness and our human nature, those kind of sensory perceptions beyond the five senses that no one wants to talk about because um, they don't know how. They've never been talked about, talk, you know, taught about those things, your gut feeling or your, you know, when the universe takes over and you're like, you're supposed to be somewhere and you cannot get there no matter what. And then you find out you were definitely not supposed to be there because something bad happened or whatever. You know, that's living in a deeper truth. That I feel like those things are living in the truth of existence. So I think we should talk about how we navigate, you know, our truths. Why we... That's what happened. That's, that's what happened to me was when I realized that um, through feeling, the feeling body and watching the things as time, it takes time. You know, that's part of being in 3D. We get a chance to experience things in time with time where you, it's not instantaneous. So we can get a chance to sit back and watch what happens in our life and then go, oh, did I cause that? Where, where was the cause of this happening, right? So going through what I went through in my spiritual community, I ended up when I left there because of the lies that were being told and because of some of the things that I fully questioned, I realized my, what I wanted to do was I wanted to make honesty my religion. Or like Johnny Depp, you were saying, Johnny Depp saying, truth at any cost, truth at every cost. And considering what's going on as we were talking about right now on this planet, how incredibly important it is to, to have that mindset, to be 
so discerning and to question everything in a light way. It's but a light you, way. How meaning do you do that? How you're do you able to say, I don't know yet. You know, you're able to say, I don't know. And that's okay. But this is what it feels like right now. Or that can, that perspective may change because certainly my perspectives have changed in time. Doesn't mean absolute truth changes, but I'm still, I, I, I mean, I just feel like I'm this little pea in this massive, ongoing, infinite existence of creative creativity, creative essence. And, you know, of course, it's always, my perspective is always going to shift. It's always going to shift as I evolve, as I hit. I, I see what you mean. Because right? you're going deeper and deeper into what's true. Deeper and deeper and deeper. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's talk about that for a second. Because I didn't necessarily understand my perspective shifts because everyone's perspective shifts once we understand more about the things we didn't understand in the beginning, right? So we think things mm -hmm. in one way, we learn more, it opens up doors, it opens up windows, the light comes in and we get to see things in a new light, in a new resonance, in a new frequency. So I think that's um, part of what you were just saying and I think that's absolutely true. But I also think we can cultivate that. I also think that by sitting back and, um, like you said, just watching and finding that stillness um, and not being maybe um, so quick to accept or react to anything, but I think finding that stillness, and I call it that sacredness, when we slow down, we pay attention, um, and we just, you know, take time out of our very busy over challenged days to be in that more still place and then things start to we start to feel things beyond what our mind says and, and that I think that's for me one of the first places to look for truth and I think that's you know you know as you tied that in with the creativity um that creativity is a facet of our pure existence and um well that I, I experienced something Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was saying, I, um, just this is just one example that came up for me. I, I went through a massive, okay, there had been a massive trigger of something that has just been something I've had to work through in this life, right? And I got confronted with that situation potentially, again, very recently. And, and I saw it. I saw it right away because I've been through so much of it. I've seen so much of it. I knew that I was at a crossroads. I could either go into <laughs> utter disappointment <laughs> like mm -hmm. I have done in the past and go into paralysis, you know, like it just was a deep, deep trigger or I could just witness it. You know, I mean, for me, meditation is just such a perfect place where it literally, you can see things in your mind, but there's a witness there. There's, there's that intelligence that can watch it. And because you know, there's that separation, it allows, it allows you to make a direction from that separated higher dimension. I don't like using the word higher or lower necessarily, but it's just, it's a, it's a separate looking at a, a, a separate witness that is able to, to clarify because you're not in it anymore. Yeah. So, so that to me, when I did that and I noticed my energy, thank God, for these tools that allow us through meditation, through different technologies that are available now to let us feel our, our energy, where we're at. It brings us into a much, it hones us, our ability 
to feel and navigate what is our truth, which is exactly what we're talking about. And so when I went through that yesterday and I just sat with it and I went, wow, my energy is so depleted. I wasn't crying. I wasn't going through any emotional thing, but energetically it wiped me out because I mean, all my meridians were out, I mean, pretty much all of them. And it was, I was blown, I was blown out because this is, has been such a huge trigger for me in my past, but I wasn't even emotional about it. I didn't feel emotional and I was certainly not confused. So this was just a deeper truth that I had a chance to experience by letting it play out and taking a step out of it and witnessing it and always focusing. This is, this is the part that I, if we're going to talk about ways that, you know, you can navigate these things, yeah, we need to always focusing on the cre on the, um, what is empowering? How, where, where is the empowerment in this for me? How can I use this to help empower the, the desire to create a solution? And the second I do that, knowing that I'm empowered universally, I, I know that now, that just takes time and really understanding that you are very much connected to the universe through the things we talk about, you and I, we know that we are, we've had enough of them things happen that we're so, we already know this. So I just went, okay. And then the next day, which was today, I woke up and my energy was completely different where yesterday I was just didn't even want to go take a walk. So that is part of the process of, you don't have to go yell your truth to people. It's just an understanding of, I'm going to experiment with this and let's see if this is actually resonates as, as truth for me, you know, and, and it does because I know how I feel. I know how I feel. I can look and see how I'm feeling with it. Which I, is I what think you brought up, yeah, I think you brought up a, a really critical point of the spiritual process, right? And the, the miracles that can happen around that. So, I, um, and, and, you know, the truth of who we are at all times. And, and that's what this, your story reminded me of a story that I had a couple years ago. Um, it was two years after the, two years of the anniversary of my father's death. And I was angry still. And I was just blaming people that I wasn't able to be there when he passed. And this come, came up the prior year too, at the anniversary of his death. And I really stopped and I, I just looked at myself and I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't be this person. This is not the truth of who I am. I'm not someone who blames others. I'm not someone who hangs on to things. I am not someone who um, really lashes out and finds frustration and not, and just hangs on to situations like that. And at that moment, I think I was just looking at knowing the truth of my existence and the truth of who I really am and the truth of my dedication to my spiritual practice. And I just looked at what I was doing and I said, this isn't me. And I said, okay, universe, I've tried hard, really hard to um, heal this on my own and, and I need help here. And <laughs> within a week, um, my father's doppelganger showed up on my doorstep, which oh. I'm not sure if I told that story on this podcast or not. And, no. and I don't think I need to tell the whole story right now, but it was mind bending. And, you know, I think it was showing me 
when you, when the, the whole story of what happened, it was showing me when you, number one, when you ask for help, the universe is there to help provide that. And actually it was, wasn't only my father's doppelganger who showed up on my doorstep, it he showed up two years to the day and the hour that I last saw my father alive. Wow. I didn't even well, know. That's such a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gee, oops. Oops. That happened. And, and wait, wait, one more. He was wearing my father's favorite outfit. Oh no. Uh, colored shirt, oh colored shorts, same sneakers, the whole deal. So, so yeah. So, um, your story that you told reminded me, um, of that, understanding of when I was in my mind and I was all upset about the situation, I knew that wasn't my truth. And I think, you know, that that we pick up these habits and we pick up these things the mind likes and doesn't like. Um, We pick up all of our ideas of who we think we are and how we think we should be treated. And well, that is our truth. It's our truth on an emotional level and a superficial level. And it came from my subconscious, right? I didn't want to be that, but I still was behaving in that way. Mm-hmm. It's not the truth of who I am. It's not the truth of our spirits, of our souls. And, um, you know, I think this is how we pull this apart and deconstruct what I think these are key insights, what you just talked about in my story. They're key insights of how we deconstruct this mind and this ego into living as our deeper existential truth. And I don't know what that means. Is that our soul essence coming forth? We don't know what that is. For the most part, we have ideas, but we've been told by other people that is what it is. Right. So how do we find that on our own? How does how do we become these new humans living in the truth of our existence beyond beyond everything we've been told? Well, I think that I mean for me because I've certainly had this question for decades. When I after like I said, what it started for me was I just went all right, honesty at every cost. I and and I made that my religion, honesty at every cost. That means my being true to myself. Mm -hmm. If I see something, I'm not, I, even if it means losing a relationship, even if it means whatever, I have to be 100% honest because I was willing to bend honesty a little bit in order to, for one, um, follow the advice of my spiritual teacher at the time. And, you know, I was told, no, you have to do this. This is going to be, even though it's a lie, and I had something to do with telling my parents that I was living in a, um, at another address because he felt threatened mm-hmm. by my parents, right? I'm so glad I didn't experience any of that or I would have been yeah. a lot sooner. Well, I'll tell you, because my devotion to knowing myself as God, as, as you know, knowing that was so strong and will always be that strong. I, and, you know, I was listening and a lot of everything that I was taking in felt super beautiful and super right on. But the second that was said to me, and I did it, I followed it. And of course, it's going to come back and bite me in the butt because that's so stupid. How easy is it for somebody to look up and go, oh, that's that address is actually a Ralph supermarket. <laughs> no. I mean, it's just like, at least, at least be, at least give people the intelligence of that's so obviously retarded. So <laughs> I actually okay. did that a few times. I didn't, I just, I didn't fight back. I just said, yeah, okay. And I ignored it because I thought, 
that the instructions that, my that I was being given were retarded. And that was my fault. That was my fault for listening to it. And I should have in that moment just said, not only said, that is really stupid on every level. And, but at that point, I was very new and I, I, didn't, I didn't know what to do. And, and it actually came back again to bite me when um, somebody there was just like, well, why did you do it? Well, I was like, oh, well, the master told me to. And they're like, yeah, but you have to listen to everything. And I'm like, oh, okay, that makes a lot more sense. And from, <laughs> that, point, from that point on, I have still have had, I mean, it's taken two decades to get that, the uh, repercussions of that action completely healed. Mm. Two decades. But I made sure they were healed. I mean, I've had the conversations with my mom, my dad, and he knows, he knows who I am, but it's been different with my mom. There's definitely been a lot of things we've had to clear. And that, for the first five years of being around them again, was the thing that I would always allow to come up anytime she would bring it up. I go, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Because I knew that there was so much damage that happened from that one little teensy weensy white stupid lie. So from that, I realized I'm never going to go against myself ever, even if it's a little teeny, teeny little white lie. I can't do it because I know the repercussions. And I knew it then. I just didn't know I knew it. Right. <laughs> and so I've spent all of this time, you know, then after that, I had that a relationship with somebody, a, a guy that I was with. Um, I was like, look, I'm going to do this experiment with you. We're going to, I'm going to be a hundred percent honest with you. hundred percent. And I said, you're not going to like it a lot of the time. And I said, it's hard. It's not easy. It's not easy to be a hundred percent honest all the time. It's not. But I said, I want to practice this. I need to practice this. And I said, this is my religion. It's the only thing I can control is what I'm perceiving and being true to that. And, you know, as long as I put that up front, it's like my disclaimer, you know, then, then it's okay. People will be like, okay, you know, all right. I put it out there and I, I lived that way for, a, for several years and it was really fascinating. And I don't know, I just, that's what I had to do for, for me to navigate, to find my own truth, to get that compass, that internal compass so clean and clear. And then I just become super transparent. Yeah, I think that's the other thing, transparency. But um, I, I just marvel at we've had we've been in the same spiritual group, but we had such different experiences. Because I came in here already questioning everything from anyone before I came in. So when I was told certain things, I just didn't listen, <laughs> or perhaps I was not surrendered enough. But I knew in that manner, I, I didn't care because right. it wasn't. It was that deeper feeling in me that was always my compass. It was never about what someone told me or, um, cause I'd already been through that. Right. So, right. And, and when I was in my twenties, right, I was hanging out, I had a job in the music business. Um, I worked for a couple of major record labels. I was with a lot of people who, and there were all kinds, a lot of people who were just out, for themselves, a lot of people who were trying to cover their pain, a lot of people in various levels of spiritual dysfunction. And the reason I quit that and came to this group was because I didn't want that anymore. And so I think I had a hypersensitivity when I came in to those things. 
And I could see that in, in certain aspects of some of the actions that happened around the teacher, but I wasn't privy to a lot of things as well. Um, so it, it's, it's all about perspective, which is part of it. And what is that compass? How do we find that internal compass that knows beyond any words what the truth of the real situation is? I think perhaps when you're born as an empath, it's really easy. Right. <laughs> I was going to say, life shows me really quickly. Yeah. That again, it's like, it's so I think easy as long as I'm honest, as long as I'm true to my, what I'm seeing and feeling, life will show me, it will reflect back. Either I'm, you're, yeah, um, this doesn't know, something's not right here. And I'll wait until it gets right. I'll research, I'll find, I'll look, I'll open up, I'll surrender, I'll do whatever to, to get to that. Right, but you have to be in the place, and I don't mean you, I mean uh, all of us, when I say you, I mean the yeah. audience. We have to be in that place where if we're not living in that truth, then we don't know what that truth is. But as long as we're still hanging on to that ex existential essence of our existence and we're in touch with that, we're going to feel what is not that. Right. So I think if you're caught up in, in the first couple of years of me being in the music business, oh, I needed, I'm young, I'm 21, 22 years old. I need to be perceived a certain way. I need to speak up more. I need to look a certain way then you're not in the core of who you are, truly. You're just trying to fill a role. Well, that's, that's, I was that age, basically, when I went into my spiritual community. Wow. That, yeah, I was really young, 20, 22. That's intense, because that is such a young and impressionable age still. Yeah, you're so you're just your growing up. Yeah, and so I think if you're not hanging on to discovering, I think, yeah, so like you said, you have to discover that deeper. How do you hang on to that and not navigate the world from a more superficial place if you're navigating the world from a more superficial place like I was when I was 22 23 you don't you don't necessarily see it in the beginning you're just trying to survive right and then when you get past the survival mode into understanding that you you can into it and empath your way through the world <laughs> um, you stop needing the acknowledgement too of your parents that I mean we don't realize how deep yes. that goes but it goes really deep into our psyche and that whole thing yeah you're going to feel your way through it as an empath not everybody has that compass to be able to feel so deeply but you know I mean the, the parents the parents play that massive role of God for us and that need to let go of that acknowledgement and it's and it's only going to be let go of the more conscious, the more aware you are of it in time, you realize, well, life itself, you know, life itself is, is who you need acknowledgement from. It's, it's life in the reflection of what your experience is. Do you like your life? Do you like what you see externally? Because it's a reflection and we just keep playing this game with it until we start kind of move along going, oh, this, this is, I'm getting good. I'm seeing an eagle. This is awesome, right? It's like when you start to experience what you want, what you're feeling on the inside externally, and it happens faster and faster and faster, you know you're on the right track. And there's still an awesomeness with it. There's still a mystery. I can't say I know what God is. 
I don't think anybody says, I know what God is. It's, it's, it's the mystery that is so awesome, that it's so all pervasive and the intelligence of it is so, and it's so personal. <laughs> it's so, um, the connection of that, when you start seeing it externally from your own, staying in your own truth is sublime. Yeah. And that's been the, you know, the subject of my exploration. What is that? And how are we that? How do we connect deeper to that? And how do we let that overtake our lives so we're part of this grand consciousness? And I know this is for you as well. Um, so ultimately, I believe that's our deepest truth. But of course, that's still a belief system through the mind. <laughs> how do I know that to be true? Beyond the concepts of the mind, because I feel it in my core. I feel it in my energy field. I feel it in my gut when I'm aligned. I feel that there's harmony and no discord. It's just all very peaceful and blissful and it flows. Yeah, and I think those are the things that, that we need to just develop more and live more in that and less of the mind. And, you know, you said not everyone's born as an empath, but I think by discovering those aspects of our essence that you can feel on a more subtle level through your energy body definitely tell you you're aligned and you can develop your empathic abilities by aligning to that absolutely that's what i was saying it was very interesting to experience um just yesterday when i was energetically out but not emotionally out mm -hmm. typically i would have felt the emotional aspect of it and recognized that but that wasn't that wasn't happening because so much of it had already cleared just from being awake and going through these things and letting healings happen and such. But I felt it energetically and I knew, wow, I don't have any energy to like go do it. I'm like, wow, this, even though I'm not feeling it emotionally. So even that, that energetic, it's a more subtle, um, yeah. Feeling, feeling body that we all need to come into. This is very new human very new human understanding ourselves beneath our feeling body beneath the emotions because and the physical beneath the physical too because they're all interrelated all of it it's so metaphysical yeah. meta-emotional and meta-psychological it's becoming aware of what the, now what life is teaching us is to be able to read your your own energy experience so that you can align properly with that yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there's a couple of things I just want to circle back on because they came up in the discussion. Um, we were talking about the artists and the creative essence and the creative energy. So I'd love to just dive for a, just a couple minutes into that. And I know you brought Johnny Depp up out of the blue, and I'm gonna, you know, just uh, it, it wasn't completely out of the blue. We had a quick conversation before we started the podcast that, um, and this isn't a resonance thing as well. Um, you know, we brought this up because right now at this point in time, there's this huge trial going on with Johnny Depp and um, not having a TV and not reading People magazine and all those different um, newsstand favorites of the masses, I guess. I, I didn't know any of what was happening. Um, and I got served this video on my YouTube feed and I still thought Johnny Depp was married to the French singer. Um, and that's about as much as I knew about it. And it turns out that there's this whole case and trial going on. And I was curious because 
one night on a Sunday evening during South by Southwest is me, myself, a friend, and a number of people were just standing on a very calm, quiet, single file line outside of the Continental Club on the Sunday after um, everyone leaves South by Southwest. It's usually just a beautiful little fun locals night way to wrap up the big conference. And we were just standing there and Johnny Depp came in, but we didn't notice that at first. There's just some very large man pushing people and shoving people out of the way. And it was completely unnecessary because there was plenty of room. There was no one blocking the door. We were all kind of just kind of peering in, waiting to get in next. And we're being thrust and pushed aside. And someone says, Johnny Depp. And I said, okay, great. And I just felt that energetic presence of um, the situation. And I, and I didn't have a good um, impression. So I always go with my energetic feelings and I just thought, what is all this hullabaloo about? <laughs> this is completely unnecessary. Not necessarily blaming that part on, on the star himself, but just his security and what was going on. Not not really having a clue of how big of a star this person was. So we got into this conversation of truth, and um, because the videos that I were served on YouTube basically said truth at any cost. And that's what he was fighting for with this ex-wife um, of his. And so that's how this conversation started. So I just wanted to, you know, close the um, close the gap on the Johnny Depp. And and I agree. After listening to interviews and recordings and things like that, a handful of those, I I admit that my energetic perception of what happened at that time was off due to a number of factors. And I, and I still don't believe the same thing I did. And and one was probably because someone who was a hard drug user had stayed at my house when I was trying to help him get into rehab. So I understood that energetic frequency later at a much later date. I didn't understand it at the time that the first experience had happened. So, um, and that brought us to the conversation of truth in the media with Elon Musk buying Twitter. There's so much happening right now around truth and everyone has different perceptions of it. Um, Elon Musk, seemingly doesn't support censorship. We'll see what comes out of this. But, um, you know, we understand that censorship has been going rampant across the board in a number of different online media platforms. And so there's Johnny Depp, there's Twitter, <laughs> there's, you know, mainstream news, there's, there's everyone seems to be having their own truth. So what is the real truth underneath all of these things we're being told are true? And I think it's critical, and we're at a critical time in our history, that we discover what real truth actually is, beyond words, because everyone has a perspective, everyone has a point of view, and everyone has a situation they're trying to rein in as their reality and maybe force upon others. Now, that's, that's a really, that's an important one, really important one, because everybody does have a unique perspective. We're meant to have a unique perspective so that we can offer our unique perspective to the collective and continue to evolve um, with each of our little puzzle pieces in this big grand puzzle. So, you know, each and every one of us is meant to have a unique perspective. And in that way, is there really an absolute truth? But I say that there, that there is. And I'll <laughs> say that only because it's not about the perspective when you're looking at absolute truth. It's right. not about a perspective anymore. It's about the absolute. 
And then it's like, it's like love. Love has, to me, love is, is, love is, it's not an emotion. Love is the basis. It, everything is made of what we're calling this word love, which has been hijacked, made to some other weird. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely been but, hijacked. I know, <laughs> but, but, but there are attributes of love. That's going to be respect, uh, bravery, uh, kindness, um, gratitude, you know, there's going to be forgiveness. There's all these different attributes of love. They're attributes. So we get a chance to experience the attributes, the, the rays of the sun through the rays, but the sun simply is, it's just there shining. I think that's the best analogy. And that is a fantastic analogy. Cause when you were saying all those words, I'm like, but those are the human things that people assign to it, but that's not true. Those are things we're experiencing in our body. Once you're in the vibration of right. love, right. It has an exactly. on all the biochemical processes in our body and our energy fields so that we understand love. Once you're in the vibration of love, and this is, um, I pre actually presented this at the 2017 Science and Non-Duality Conference, that love is our sixth sense. And it's a vibration. It's not an, an action of dopamine, you know, hitting the brain. Right, the right. Oh, that's cool. That's and awesome. it triggers the biochemical processes in the body. Yeah, because we're in a, we're made of it, and there's going to be receptors. There's going to be, uh, we have photoreceptors, we have all sorts of interesting oh, yeah. receptors. And, you know, when, when we are vibrating at a certain frequency, those receptors are working phenomenally. They, they're helping the biochemistry, right? They, they are in alignment and those serotonin and all of those things, all the dopamine, all those things are naturally flowing through as they're supposed to so that we can feel as in this 3D meat suit that we're wearing, all the different beautiful attributes of this love thing when you're in that resonance, when you're, when you're vibrating in that. So it's, so for me, it's like love is the basis of it. It's not even a question. It's just, that's it. Now you can be discordant. You come in really dark and then you can be a complete knucklehead and decide that, you know, you're, you don't want to be in that resonance, but that's okay. That's fine. But that's, to me, not absolute truth. That's, that has nothing to do with this absolute truth that we're speaking of. In my, in my opinion, love is the basis in this universe. Well, and yeah. that is and how I, I resonate. Everything about life has proven that to me. And I, that is 100% my absolute truth. Yeah, and I think um, if you've, and I know you have, and I say this for those all others that have, and those that haven't should try this. When you're sitting deep in meditation and your body's in complete harmony and stillness and you're just aware that there's stories of the mind going on but you are not those things, something takes over the body. And it is this blissful feeling of love, unconditional love. It's joyous. It's buoyant. It's light. It's, it's love. It's you feel love. And yeah. you feel love. Yeah. And that's beyond the mind. That is when you're in the deepest states of meditation. Granted, you go deeper, there's energy and all this stuff, but it still feels like love in the body. So your body is tuning into that vibration and whatever's happening with the with the neurochemicals in the body, it's you're tuned in and you are humming in that resonance. Yeah, it's just it's just it's in support. It's just it's just supporting. All the biochemistry is just supporting the resonance. The, the, that high frequency. Um, I remember the first time that happened to me where I was experiencing love and I'm like, 
but I'm not in love. I, I didn't have a boyfriend. I, there was no one I was had a crush on. It had nothing to do with anything external. And yet I, my heart was about to blow up with <laughs> so much love. And I was like, I was so blown away. I was so blown away that that I realized that's coming from me. <laughs> I am this, I, I am love. And I mean, that shifted everything to have that kind of an experience your whole world shifts yeah. because to me, again, that proves this absolute truth um, theory, non-theory that we're talking about because I don't know anyone that's, that has not had a similar experience and has been an actual avid um, meditator or prayer or, or just, yeah. you know, knows of higher things, loves that experience. It always comes down to feeling a deep, deep sense of love when you're in that resonance. Yeah, I've done some energy work sessions on people and <laughs> there are a couple of gentlemen that were immediately, you know, oh, it's you, it's you, I love them. And I'm like, no, no. it's just the energy. It has nothing to do with me. Mm -hmm. And it was probably very um, eye-opening in some realm for them at that point. Oh. Like I'd seen that happen a few times, so I wasn't, I'm never expecting it, but I've seen it happen enough to know, no, has nothing to do with anything. You're feeling that fullness and that bliss of there's just the consciousness energy is coming through. Um, my body's just a vessel and it comes through and I'm a channel for it. And that's, that's the easiest and simplest way. This is, this has nothing to do with me, nothing to do with the personality and you need to find that in yourself. And, and so I'm going to um, ask that, is this love the truth of our existence? Is that how do we know we're, when we're in truth? Are we feeling resonance? Are we feeling that peaceful and stillness when we're in truth? Perhaps. Um, and I think that gets into creativity, right? Because let's talk about, the, I think as a close, I think we're you know, getting up on time, but yeah. I just don't want to leave this topic without talking about the artists. Well, okay, so... It's interesting that you said that we, we both had this experience. For me, I always say the creative essence is the God essence and it's creativity. It is, um, it is creation, creativity and everything to do with it in between. And when I, when I was going to, to college to do digital art, I took this film class. And so my first and only film, um, at the very end of it, it said, the very end, I just do a black screen and this, you know, this quote comes up for me, it said something about the responsibility lies on the shoulders of the artists of this time period, because they are the ones that were given creative license to allow for change to happen. And it's, and, and that it, it was something like that. It was actually a really beautiful quote that I came up with. That is so right on for it. <laughs> and it's so right on and I have chills because that was how I ended this little film. And that, regardless of what, how poopy the, the production, because it was like, it was bad. But the essence of it was really beautiful. And it was all about love. And it was actually with a, 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 a ex-Marine who wanted to know love. And he had gone to the Gulf War and he realized all sorts of, sorts of hinky stuff was going on. All these vaccines that they gave him beforehand, he was trying to detox from them. He, he started waking up really deep when he met me and I came from a fully different, I came from the full spiritual element, meeting up with this very worldly 
person who was an ex-Marine in the, you know, intelligence, um, something to do with intelligence. Like it was just so weird and not my realm at all. And we met in the middle with this desire to know love and promote love. And it was, it was, he, and he was the one that I actually did the, the show, you know, the film with. Wow. It was a little documentary, little interview. So yeah, it was really interesting. I very much feel that way. So, yeah. So the artists are, are the ones who are most clearly and easily tapped into the creative source of consciousness. And, and I believe there's no doubt and there's no question of that. They're also the ones that feel the pain of this world the most. They also feel the suffering of this world the most. They also understand the need for change of this world the most. Yeah. Yet, how many? what is the percentage of artists that numb their pain with drugs and alcohol and, and uh, sex and escape and travel? I, starving I like artist. Yeah. And I feel like into their creative process, they're trying to solve that pain in their creative process. And so when you're just working on solving a pain. I mean, I know as a, as a painter, every time I get angry at something or feel really upset about something, that's when I would paint. When the Twin Towers came down, I did a painting. When we went to the Iraq War, I did a painting. I, and, you know, it was just a creative outlet that allowed me to express things and put that through my work, right? So that was me processing my pain. But and this goes back to the actors, the musicians, all, all these people in their creative process are trying to solve some level of pain. They're understanding the human condition. They're seeking the deeper truth. Right. So how do we incite and maybe inspire artists beyond that? Because if they have the vision, they have the creative vision, they have correlative minds that can put all these different factions of existence together how do we help nurture artists get past the pain of drugs and alcohol and their creative well, process to create this world because i think our world needs it more than ever like, okay well we look we look at what's going on the the later in the later just within the last 10 years they've tried to get rid of every creative program in school. So if we look at what's going on collectively, you know, um, they've been trying to squash the creative essence for a long time because the people that have the imagination, that can think, who can see in their third, from their third eye, from imagination, you have this creative imagination. You can, you can, you can problem solve literally every situation just going within and working it through in your own mind, through your own, your own imagination. That's just one easy way to, to have to see many different outcomes of one situation. And it's a really easy way to go, do I want to take this road, this road, this road, this road? Look Maybe at all the different right. possibilities, okay? We can do anything we want is what I'm saying. We have that power because of our imagination. That's why. So it's being squished. You know, the second you, you brought up, it's don't think you can't. No, no, no. There's no such thing as that. You don't see this. That's not right. You know, don't. Have yeah, this it's been amazing the things That's that we've been told that are not real. <laughs> Knowing right. full well, they absolutely are the past few years in, in escalation beyond we've ever seen before, I think, at least in our yep. history. 
Yep. So I would say, you know, with answering that question, um, it would be to, if I had all the money in the world and it didn't matter, if I wanted to have a humanitarian project and actually help, which I've included in humanitarian projects, um, is to is to help the artist by with foundations to give them money and to um, allow them the the free the free reign because they're not getting it in schools. It's really to change the education system. And you know, if we can't change it in a big way, we can allow people who are drawn to perhaps being involved in projects instead of going through one mass institution, if they're not gonna allow, if they're not going to um, you know, support the creative spirit because it is so critical. It's, it's, it's everything. That's where everything starts is in any invention, um, any, anything, everything starts in your creative essence, you know, from your mind's eye all of it. So yeah, it's important. So I, I would, does, does our creative essence allow us to go deeper to find the truth? Does having that correlative mind that sees things differently, that understands things from multiple perspectives, as you just said, through, through the use of the mind, through imaginations and, and con contemplations, does that help us find the truth? And, and I think you're saying absolutely, definitely, and I agree, the answer is yes, it does. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, artists can come up with a million scenarios, but they know none of them are true. Um, but they're always struggling to find the truth through their process as well. And I right. think that's why you can come up with a million scenarios. It's the so process. how do we nurture the artists in each of us mm -hmm. to use that to help navigate our lives forward to living in our truth, to living in our beingness. And, and I think that's not necessarily a question with an answer because it's different for each one of us, but I think it's an absolutely essential and necessary element in our personal right. and collective to look, to look for that, to make sure that, that you are allowing that creative essence to come through whatever, however it works for you. Some people want to sing, some people want to dance, some people want to paint, some people want to do photography. I actually created this little course called Soultography that I just, going through all of my writing and everything, I, I saw and I went, that was it, Soultography. So I created this whole program around that. And, you know, those kinds of things probably, um, I'm actually going to incorporate some of that stuff into my Big Happy Planet stuff. So it, it is, it's to bring, it's to bring that essence out and then it's to have conversations about it. So it's just an excuse to be able to be creative and then to discuss, like talk about your, your process, talk about what you gleaned from it, talk about how you felt when you were doing it, talk about the things that have come up and express because that also is what makes us human. So to have both of those things going on at the same time will I think help to prevent this um, starving artist, you know, they can't make money, they're going to be on drugs because they can't make money. Then it's just, you know, it's just going to knock, wear them out oh, yeah. and, and elevate them into, an, into the stature that they deserve to be in. That's what I, I think is a really good start anyway. Yeah. And I, and I definitely see the drugs as numbing the pain of, because they do see much more of the truth of what is really going Absolutely. on in this world. Sensitive. So have a, and, I, and that's where I feel like I really want to find a way having, been around a number of people um, 
in my life who have gone through that struggle with drugs, with numbing the pain of this world or their piece of this world and then seeing it on a massive scale, having panic attacks about it, all of that. I think really, um, you know, what are those outlets that can help the artists stay clear in vision and not get caught in the darkness of that, that um, comes along with it. And I think that because artists know the truth and I think artists can help us all get to the truth. Um, and they do it in a natural state. I think it's, it's their state in a lot of ways. So yeah. it needs to be acknowledged as something that is a beautiful thing and then supported and they're not getting that externally, not in the institutions that, you know, typically, not all of them, but if they go to art school, it's a different story. But, you know, and just for us to be able to, for people to be aware of it, for one, yeah. that they're extremely sensitive and that their capacity to help create change on this planet is grand and needed. And then, and then bring things out that support that, have those conversations with them. Yeah, and I think it's just starting the conversation. That's exactly it. Start those conversations and and have them help recognize that if this is <laughs> that pain that you're feeling, ever we all should be feeling that with the way the world is going today. Yeah. And we all need to just not wallow in the pain, but make some permanent and complete active change around that. So um, I think we're coming up on an hour here. We're getting very close to it. These these conversations go so quickly. So any last words? Yeah, um, I was just going to say creative problem solving. I mean, it takes creative problem solving for us to be able to, to make the changes that we need to make and create creative problem solving. So, you know, it's, and it's, and it's fun and it's easy when we, when we do it together, when we open up the conversations, when we recognize that the creative essence is the most important aspect and, and our imagination that's been the words demonized is actually an incredible stepping point into making some major changes in our own lives and that collectively changes everything when we do that so that's all I gotta say I'll say <laughs> goodbye yeah, everybody that's been yeah. fun thank you Sarah that was gorgeous I, I um, I'd love to hear what everyone has to think about this subject. I know we started with the truth and ended with creativity, and I think they're both aligned to our core essence. Um, living our best life ever aligned to our truth of existence. So we'd love to hear your comments about it. Please reach out. Drop us a line. My email is miracles at sarahpowell.com. That's S-A-R-R-A-H. P-O-W-E-L-L dot com. And Jasmine? Mine's Jasmine at BigHappyPlanet.com. So let us know what you think. Thanks, everyone. Till next time. Bye. Have a great week. And let's go deep into whatever ways we can to help change the world and find our truth. Yes. Amen, sister. <laughs>